Praise the Lord. Happy Father's Day. It's great to be in the house of the Lord. The Bible says you shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. We come into the gates of this house of the corporate gathering. We come with thanksgiving and praise, rejoicing and celebration before the Lord. The gates are called thanksgiving and the walls about us this morning, the Bible says, are called salvation. That the Lord's salvation is here for us. That the Lord is saving us all service long working in our hearts and souls and minds, healing, delivering, setting us free. And we come into his fullness and into his strength this morning. The title of the message today is Flee as a Bird. Psalm 11, verses 1 to 7. Seven verses in this psalm. In the Lord I put my trust. How can you say to my soul... Flee as a bird to your mountain. For look, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow on the string. That they may shoot secretly at the upright in heart, at the believer. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids test the sons of men. The Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence, his soul hates. Upon the wicked, he will rain coals, fire and brimstone, and a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. His countenance beholds the upright. Verse 1, in the Lord I put my trust. How say you to my soul? Flee as a bird to your mountain. That is, try and find some way of escape on your own. Find some way where you can get away from it all, where you can run and hide. Is there anyone this morning that is seeking escape? You want to get away from it all? The pressure, the circumstance, the enemy has prepared an arrow on the bow? a temptation, a trial, an emotion against your life. David felt the taunt of the enemy. The enemy said, David, flee as a bird to your mountain. Go find your own place of refuge because I have you in my sights. Find a place of escape of your own. Flee to your own mountain. The taunt of the enemy that comes against us at times because he's prepared an arrow on the bow. There was another man in Scripture, Nehemiah, in chapter 6, a man of God who was seeking to build the city of God and restore the presence of God to the people. And the enemy came to him one day and said, you need to flee. They're out to kill you. You're not going to survive this circumstance. You're not going to make it through the night. You've endured a lot of problems, but this one is going to take you out. And you know what Nehemiah replied? Should a man such as I flee? I will not flee. I will not go where you want me to go, enemy. I'm going to stand with the Lord. When the enemy prepares an arrow on the bow, and all of us, If we've walked with the Lord even a few days, you know what I'm talking about. The enemy prepares an arrow on the bow, a temptation, a trial, a circumstance, a heaviness, an emotion, a memory. 
something to shoot secretly at our heart. But the Bible says when the enemy begins to move like that, Ephesians 6, we are to take up the shield of faith and quench every fire-tipped arrow of the wicked one. That we extinguish those fire-tipped arrows of the enemy and show him where it is written, Proverbs 28.1, the righteous are bold as a lion. The wicked flee with no one pursuing them. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Now, we're not bold in ourselves in some fleshly puffed-up way. We may be trembling on the outside. We may be uncertain of our steps and how we are to go forward, but there's something down inside of us where the Word of God has taken hold of us, and we have a boldness in the Lord. We know His Word is sure. David was tempted to flee as a bird to his mountain, like the birds of Palestine. How easily, what advantage birds have, even in our neighborhoods, like the land of Israel. If there was danger present, how easy it is, how quickly a bird can fly into the branches of a tree, up into the top branches, and be completely safe. David said, I don't have to flee anywhere because I've already fled somewhere. I fled to the presence of God. I fled to the holy mountain. I fled to the word of God. I fled to the promises of the Lord. Psalm 11.1, 1, the Passion Translation says, My faith shelters my soul continually in Yahweh. Why would you say to me, run away while you can, fly away like a bird to hide in the mountains for safety? We are not those who flee at the enemy taunt. We are not those who run when pressure and circumstance and trial comes because we have made our shelter in God himself. Our trust is in the living Lord. Psalm 11 and verse 3. If the foundations are destroyed... What can the righteous do? What if things are crumbling and collapsing and cracking and structures are falling? What if our life and society seems to be falling apart? What if there's breakdown spiritually or relationally or financially or societally? Well, one thing we're not going to do is flee and run and leave the inheritance and leave the people unsheltered against the enemy. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? There are foundations today that are being destroyed. Maybe in your life there are some foundations that have been destroyed. Maybe spiritually there are some foundations that need repair today because they've cracked and fallen and you're not walking with God. Your family isn't walking with the Lord like it once did and like it should. Maybe there are some financial, relational collapses. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? In our society, the foundations, every one of us know the foundations are being and are destroyed. Things that were once entirely abhorrent are now perpetrated and practiced as acceptable. And there is an indoctrination going on that all of us know to call evil good and to call wrong right and to call darkness light and to call 
immorality, morality. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Again, we're not going to let the enemy just take the land. We're not going to let the enemy encroach on our families and on our own lives. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Number one, they can pray. They can pray. Psalm 11 and verse 3, what can the righteous accomplish when truth pillars are destroyed and law and order collapse. What can the righteous accomplish? David was living in a time where truth had collapsed and foundations were destroyed and the enemy had bent his bow with arrows upon the string. What can the righteous accomplish when truth pillars are destroyed and law and order collapse? Some people would say, well, not much, maybe a little. But the Bible says down at the end of the book in James 5.16 that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. What can the righteous do when foundations break, when foundations are destroyed in lives, in families, in churches, in the nation? The people of God can pray. The people of God can begin to pray because the effective fervent prayer Effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person accomplishes much. Spurgeon wrote, sinning times are the saints' praying times. Sinning times are the saints' praying times. And so we begin to call upon the name of the Lord, the Lord our God. The scripture is or contains record of those who, in times of societal breakdown and ruin and family destruction in the land, how that they, these men and women began to pray. Prayer warriors in Scripture. Men like Moses and Samuel, Esther, Ezra, Elijah, Jeremiah the prophet, Amos the prophet, people that began to pray against the darkness, began to pray against the pollutions in life and the pollutions of society. Men and women that battled in prayer against the darkness, not just sprinkling a few prayers here and there on a situation, but actually got down and prayed with intercessions of the Holy Spirit and prayed in the Holy Ghost, battled against the darkness, battled against the darkness. Sometimes conditions and sins in a nation are so pronounced that it's everything a righteous person can do to engage in prayer and battle against those pollutions because sometimes you feel like letting the whole thing go to the chute. But pray we must. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Pray we must. We are not yet at the point where Jeremiah was, where the Lord told him one day, Jeremiah, stop praying. It's too late. It's over. The judgments are coming. The judgments are falling. We are not at that place. We are to call to pray. Foundations are destroyed. We can pray with all our heart, mind, and strength. Ezekiel 22 and verse 30 the Lord said, so I sought for a man among them who would make a wall 
and stand in the gap, stand in the breaches that Satan has brought before me on behalf of the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. I sought for someone who would stand in the breaches, intercede, that I would not destroy the land, but I found no one. God is looking for holy men and women today who will stand in the breaches, who will stand in the gap and fight for godliness and fight for holiness and battle against the darkness of the hour. These are God's intercessors. These are people who have given up their own life to be prayer warriors, to pray with some fasting prayers and with deep groaning and intercessions of the Spirit and calling out on the living God with his promises, imploring God, imploring heaven for the goodness of the Lord to come and for change to happen. And so if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Number one, we must pray. We must pray deep prayers. Jesus in the days of his flesh, while he was on earth, while he was in his physical body, the Bible says in Hebrews 5, 7, that he offered up prayers to God with strong crying and tears. Strong crying and tears. And he was heard of the Father. Today is a day of intercession for our homes, for our lives, for our society, for the earth. A day of intercession where we would begin to groan in the Spirit and take on some intercessions and take hold of the promises of God and begin to carry them before the presence of the Lord with some strong crying and tears. If the righteous or if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The righteous can pray. When the enemy bends the bow and sends his temptations and his indoctrinations into lives and into the land, what can the righteous do? The righteous can pray. Number two, the righteous can hold to their way. The righteous can hold to their way. Job 17 verse 9 says, Yet the righteous will hold to his way. And he who has clean hands will be stronger and stronger. Let's make sure our hands are clean. Be careful what we touch. Be careful what we handle. Be careful what we do. Because we might get weaker and weaker. But if we have clean hands, we'll get stronger and stronger. Yet the righteous will hold to his way, and he who has clean hands will be stronger and stronger. Psalm 16, 8, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. I have set the Lord before me. Therefore, I will not be moved. As righteous people, we must hold to the way. We must hold to the road. See, the unrighteous can do what they want. They can lie and curse and cheat and steal and exaggerate and fornicate. They can let the flesh rule, but the righteous, not so. We have a rule. We have a standard. We have a path in which we walk, and it's called the straight and narrow road. Jesus said, I am the way, 
that leads to the Father. He's the road. We're on a road, the straight and narrow way, and we are making our way to heaven. We're making our way through this life, this pilgrimage to the celestial city. The righteous must hold to their way. So there's no turning back for us. No turning back. The Bible says Lot's wife looked back and perished in the fires of judgment that fell on Sodom and Gomorrah. She looked back. Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. He warned the church. He warned us all. Remember Lot's wife. Don't look back. No, the only thing we are to flee is hellfire and damnation. That's one thing we are to flee. John the Baptist said, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Because in that hour when Lot and his family, some of his family, it appears some didn't make it out. They were so compromised, so worldly-minded. Not all his family made it out of the fires of judgment. But Abraham was interceding, and Abraham was praying, and the Bible says that even while Lot and his wife and his two daughters lingered, that the angels of God took hold of their hands. Can you imagine? The angels of God came down into Sodom and Gomorrah, into that vile, wicked city, to take Lot and his wife and his two daughters by the hand and take them out. And while the angels were hurrying them out, the Bible says Lot's wife looked back from behind him. Make sure you keep up with your husband. Keep up with the spiritual leadership. We flee the city of this world. We flee the judgments of God. We flee the fires of damnation and hell. We flee, as the Apostle Paul told Timothy, we flee youthful lusts. We flee the flesh life. We run. He said, flee youthful lusts. Like Joseph in Genesis, the grasp of immorality was upon him, a seducing mistress. And the Bible says he fled. He fled from immorality. We must flee youthful lust. We must flee sin. The righteous are to hold to their way. And he that has clean hands will be stronger and stronger. When the foundations are being destroyed, when things are crumbling, when morality is falling, when truth and honesty and decency, when the nuclear family is under attack, what God created and set in motion, we have to hold to our way. The righteous will hold to his way and press forward. No turning back for us. When God delivered his people out of Egypt, Israel came out of Egypt and they encamped before the Red Sea. And it looked like an impasse at the waters of baptism. They had nowhere to go, and all of a sudden they saw the Egyptian army bearing down on them, seeking to reclaim them and repossess them and take them back to Egypt. And the people panicked under the spiritual warfare. They panicked under the circumstance and trial. And Moses said to them, Stand still and see the salvation of God. Stand still. When the enemy is bearing down, when the pressure is on, when your emotions are twisting 
and your mind has, is filled with many thoughts, stand still and see the salvation of God. Now that was Moses' word. Moses said, stand still. But God had a better word. He said, tell the people to go forward. Go forward. Moses said, stand still. God said, go forward. Start moving under my hand and under my will and under my power. Onward, Christian soldiers. The Apostle Paul said, Philippians 3, 13 to 14, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Forget the things which are behind. See, no turning back. We're not to look behind us. And we better not stumble into the ditches of despair on the right hand or to the left. The righteous have to hold to their way. We forget the things which are behind. We reach forward to the things which are ahead. And we press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Our eyes are on the celestial city. We have fled the city of this world. We've fled the destruction. We've fled the wrath that is to come. We have fled the judgments of God. We have fled sin and sinfulness and the lusts of the flesh. We must hold to our way. If the foundations are destroyed, let the righteous not compromise. Because a world has gone loose, let's not go loose. Let's abide by the standard. We have a rule. We have a way of life. We have the commandments of the Lord. And the Bible gives us the promise. The righteous shall hold to his way. Hold to the road. Hold to the road. And he that has clean hands shall grow stronger and stronger. Number three, final point. If the, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Number three, they can raise up the foundations of many generations. That's what God says. Isaiah 58, 12, those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. My, what beautiful words. What hope in God. What an encouragement from the Holy Spirit today. Those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. And you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. It doesn't matter your past, where you've come from, who you've been, how people have treated you, what your grandfather did. It doesn't matter how many generations of failure and sinfulness and brokenness are behind you. In Jesus Christ, you get a brand new start. And you can start singing, I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. Old things have passed away. I've been born again. More than a conqueror, that's who I am. I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. 
raising up the foundation of many generations. Interpretation can go two ways. It can go to the past. It can go to the future. First, the past. Again, it doesn't matter what's taken place in my past, your past. In Jesus Christ, we get a new, brand new start. The blood of Jesus Christ sets us free. And no enemy can cross the bloodline. No ghosts of the past, so don't entertain them. No generational curse. If you play with the devil, he'll play with you. But the Bible says there is no divination against Jacob, and there is no enchantment against Israel. We don't go backward. We go forward. We're brand new people. I don't, hear, I don't read once in the New Testament where the apostles of Jesus Christ told the people to go dig around in the past to find out what was wrong with them. He said, put your eyes on Jesus, put your eyes on the Word of God, and walk out. Walk out into your victory. Walk out into your strength. Walk out into the promises of God. And we have a God who says, wow, your sins and your iniquities I will remember no more. Your sins and iniquities I will remember no more. We can raise up the foundations of many generations. Brokenness behind us, failure behind us, sinfulness behind us, wastelands and despair. In Jesus Christ, we build our lives on the solid rock and we build on the foundations of the faith and we repair the breaches and we restore paths to dwell in and we walk on in the power of God. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? They can raise up the foundations no matter how many generations of failure there are behind you. In Jesus Christ, he is the answer. Jesus Christ and his word, in his commandments you will live. In his commandments you will establish your life and build up your life in the most holy faith. Well, let's look at it forward. You will raise up the foundations of many generations. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Again, we live in a day where the foundations are destroyed. Many things that were so sacred and decent have fallen. What can the righteous do? We can raise up the foundations of many generations into the future. Into the future. Let's take hold of the Word of God this morning. 2 Timothy 1.5. The Apostle Paul said to Timothy, he said, When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, Timothy which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Grandmother Lois, mother Eunice, son Timothy. Three generations. Not bad, but it's hardly a start. I'm third generation Christian on both my paternal and maternal side, third generation, grandparents served the Lord, mom and dad served the Lord, my family has served the Lord, third generation. My sons and daughters are fourth generation. My grandchildren are fifth generation. Five generations. 
but I've got a long way to go to catch up with God. Psalm 105, verse 8, look at this. He remembers his covenant forever, the word which he commanded for a thousand generations. For a thousand generations. I'm at generation five. And God says, I'm going to command my covenant and my promises and my word for a thousand generations. Sure, it's symbolic, but why not look at it practically as well? God says, my salvation, the reach of my covenant, the reach of my desire, not willing that any should perish, my desire that sons and daughters walk in the power and glory of God goes down to a thousand generations. Deuteronomy 7, 9. Therefore know that the Lord your God, he is God. Oh, let's know it this morning. Know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. The faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. A generation is 40 years, 40 times a thousand 40,000 years. I'm in the fifth generation. We're not even down 200 years. God says, my covenant, my mercy for the people of God, for their families, reaches to a thousand generations. 40,000 years, if you want to look at it that way. God says, it doesn't matter who the person is that's born on this world. They can raise up godly seed all the way down till Jesus Christ comes, and they're never even going to get close to the 40,000 years. But I put the 40,000 years in there to, know, to let you know how great is my reach of mercy and how great is my covenant and how great is my desire for a godly seed. Raise up the foundations of many generations into the future. Say, Pastor, isn't it a little... Don't you think far-fetched to think that every one of your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, the family line beyond that, all the way down till Jesus comes, is going to serve the Lord? Don't you think it a little far-fetched? You may think it far-fetched, but still, let me dream. Let me dream. We've got the promise of God, a thousand generation. We have the word of God. We know the heart of God. His heart is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, that walk with God. And so let us pray. I don't think it far-fetched. Let's believe God. Let's pray. Let's importune heaven night and day that want not one of our seed, even remotely, forsake the felt presence of God and the loving devotion of the saints. His mercy is to a thousand generations. Worship team, come, please. What a promise of God today. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? What can we do? We're the righteous people of God. When the enemy bends an arrow on the bow and wants to shoot secretly at your heart 
at your dedication, at your consecration, at your holiness, at the standard God has for your life? What can the righteous do? The righteous, we can pray. We can hold to our way. And we can raise up many generations to serve the Lord with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Let's stand together this morning. Bible says, hold on to faith and a clean conscience. Hold to the word. Is there anyone here this morning facing acute warfare, attack of the enemy? You just want to run. Escape it all. Get out of my circumstances. Get out of my marriage. Get out of my life. God forbid anyone would say it. I'd even want to get out of life. The enemy taunt, the enemy warfare. But God says, come, shelter yourself in me. Come, shelter yourself in my presence. Come and be strengthened. Foundations are destroyed spiritually, relationally. In a home, in a society, it's a day to take hold of God in prayer. It's a day to take hold of the righteous ways of the Lord and to begin to take the promises of God to raise up the generations, to raise up the foundations. This morning as we close out, if the Holy Spirit is specifically speaking to you and you know there's some cracked and broken areas that you need to deal with, please feel free to slip out from where you are and come to the altar this morning, to the front of the sanctuary. Say, God, I need prayer. I need help. I need help before I do something that I don't want to do. Before I make a mistake, an error that I'll regret for the rest of my life, I, I need your presence. I want your presence. I want your presence, Lord. I want to do things your way. I want to walk the righteous way. I want to flee the things that I need to flee. And I want to obey my living God. I want to walk in your power. I want to walk in your strength. Any others this morning? Give up your own life. Forsake your own way. Spurn your own heart. Spurn your pride. We're talking life and death. We're talking heaven and hell. We're talking eternity this morning. It's how critical it is. And we have a God who's calling us. We have a Lord who's calling us. Come to me. Come to me, the Lord says. Come. I'll teach you the right way. I'll show you the way to walk. I'll help you in trial. When the enemy bends his bow and sends an arrow, I'll teach you how to say it is written. The righteous are bold as a lion. It's the wicked that flee with no one pursuing. I'm not going to flee. I'm going to stand in my time and place in courage and boldness and do the will of God. Righteous or bold as a lion. People at the front this morning praying, calling out on the Lord. Let's lift our hands and ask God to minister this word deep in our spirit and give our consecration and loyalty to the Lord once again. We are a chosen people, a special people. We are his treasure. 
We're different people. We're different than the world. And we must hold to the promise and hold to the faith and hold to the righteousness, hold to the strength of the living God. Righteous will hold to their way.